0: Please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist podcast.
1: Good evening, Jim. Good evening, David. <laughs> I didn't even tell you we were starting. Uh, yeah, it's that's okay. all right, because we'll I'm, I'm ready yeah. to rock. We'll live. It's early tonight for us. It's about an hour yep. early, actually. Uh, You'll might notice I have glasses now. um This is a funny story. So I was trying to exhaust my FSA money for the year. So yep. I made an appointment for the optometrist, having had glasses as a kid. And I went in and I sat with the optometrist. And we kept going back and forth on the diopter between two different lenses. And she finally says, uh, as we're finishing up, she says, you really don't have much wrong with your eyes at all. She's like, why are you in here for an eye exam? And I was like, well, I used to wear glasses as a kid. And I said, I haven't had glasses in a number of years. But I said, I've noticed that it's getting harder to read text on my monitors and stuff. And I said, I had the money left over from the FSA. My kid needed to get get an eye exam. So I scheduled mine, too. And, yeah, um, yeah. she, she says, well, she says, you do have a super mild stigmatism, but she's like, for all intents and purposes, you have 20, 20 vision. And she no. said, you know, looked over the, looked over the, cause they do this thing where they scan the inside of your eyes. Now it's like a whole thing. Yeah. Um, yep. she says, you know, you don't have any other health problems as a result of, uh, anything we've seen here, but she said, you know, I can write you a prescription if that's what you're looking for. And I said, well, you might as well. I mean, if I have astigmatism, I said, I would like to get like some sunglasses and I know I can use this prescription to do that under my FSA. So I went and I, my wife uses this company called Zenni. They're Chinese. Basically you put oh, yeah. in your stuff and you can order Zeni glasses eyewear. from there. Like nothing. Um, yep. I got like four pairs of glasses or something for like 400 bucks yeah. with, with like the, you know, the, the, all the super upgraded lenses and all that crap but it was funny because I'm thinking I won't need these. Cause, cause she told me, she's like, you, you have 2020 vision basically. So I get them and I put them on the first time I put them on. I was like, this is weird. And then all of a sudden I looked at the text on the screen. Cause I always, I'm always sitting right here. Um, yeah. and I was like, God damn it. Everything's more clear. Like what the hell? So I've been wearing them cause I'm like, <laughs> well, mine as well. I got transitions yeah. lenses. So it's like, whatever. Um, so I can just, you know, it's a better experience and it's easier for me to deal with. Uh, I can still, I mean, I can take them off and still me and I can see kind of sucks. But uh, put this back on. is like, holy shit. <laughs> like I've been missing crap, you know, and, and she told me I had 20, 20 vision. She said perfect vision. She's like, you don't really need glasses. She's like, well, I can write you a mild a prescription. <laughs> like what? the? Well, I, have, I have, I
0: have, uh, my eyes, um. Are extremely different, but so I have better than 2020 vision in one eye, mm-hmm. and then I have worse than 2020 vision in the other. But because the eye that's better does most of the work, um, it gets tired, and so most of the time I see really well. And then there's times I have to take these out and wear them, <laughs> and uh, you know to. To read up close, like right now. I'm literally going cross-eyed trying to look at this. And the printing is pretty damn big. Go cross eyed. So um you can have extremely good vision. They, they said to me, they go, all right. Um it, it was funny because I, I sat in the chair and they go, okay, read the, you know, read yeah. the thing. They got they got one eye covered, they go read the thing. I go, just go to the bottom. And she scrolls it up and I go, Z-X-Y-O, Three, you know. Yeah, whatever. Two, whatever. right? And then she goes like this. She just looks at me and she goes. You don't need glasses. And I said, OK, now cover that eye. And then she <laughs> covers that eye. And, and I go, OK, I can read the top one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't read Jim's got really good vision if he closes one eye. <laughs> <laughs> If I do this all day long, I freaking got great
0: vision, <laughs> but then I get real tired. But real you fast. can't
1: you can't uh, judge distance with only one
0: eye. So, <laughs> I yeah, and I have an extremely hard time judging different. I um, I always wondered why um, I had such problem judging distance, and it's because of that. Yeah, it makes sense. Literally, like I can't play ball. Um, I can't like if somebody hurls something at me, they're like, "Can I?" I go, "Can you hand me my keys?" They go like this, "Catch!" It's like. Psh. No, okay, thanks. Thanks. Next time, don't throw them at my face. Just throw them at the ground near me. If you don't want to hand them to me,
1: throw them at the ground. I'll pick them up. They don't get hurt. Um Somebody hits Jim in the oh. nuts. Yeah, hit me right up. <laughs> oh God. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to. I I figured you could have caught a boss pedal. Yeah, that's exactly what happens too. <laughs>
0: So I've been in a, um I've been in the gym every day um working out. I'm not try- I'm trying not to jinx myself so let's just say that I'm going I'm it's doing well and I'm getting stronger. Um you know, I try to do this. What happens is when I, whenever I travel, I don't work out. And um I need to work out when I travel this time. So um I have a, there's a Planet Fitness near the uh, place I'm gonna go to, so hopefully I'll just get up to that and get my plan of fitness. In. But if I take more than a couple days off, I slack. And I go what everybody does. What's two more days? And yeah. I, it becomes a year. I mean it literally turns into a year and it's crazy. So I know that's not guitar information, but it's just something to
1: Well about. um so I don't I mean I don't have any real what's new this week i've been actually focused on just kind of keeping my life together while my projects all seem to uh smash into the earth quickly um i I say that kind of haphazardly but um i'm working on new music and it's just not going well at this point it's not um it's not any fault of anybody specifically it's just uh You ever get that, like you get when you're working on something and you get this feeling that nothing is working the way you want it to? Like that's basically where I'm at right now. It's like today I spent the afternoon, I fired up my amp one and uh, ran it through the the captor and plugged into my audio interface and started working on some recordings. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel because one of the projects I'm working on is going to be real, real fun. So I'm kind of like, I want to work on that one. and and when you have that moment you're kind of like after after you've had like a really rough day of like just not being productive you kind of sit there and you go shit i should have worked on that one (laughs) like i i could i could have done that all day you know instead i did this other thing that i didn't want to do um so that's one thing uh anyway so do you have any what's new jim i mean uh... i've got what's old is new okay so, as many people know, I've
0: ha- I've got more than one Les Paul. matter of fact, there they are. Um, so, I decided to go down one so I could go back to another. So, um, I got rid of the gold top, which was a 50 standard, because I have the 50 mm. standard. I have them, my favorite 50 standard. And uh, I went, and believe it or not, I checked the serial number. And I got to
1: you got your Ultra back. I got Ultra.
0: What's funny is this is this is kind of sad and and I funny forgot that you time. got
1: rid of that. To be honest with you, yeah. So it's sad and funny
0: at the same time. So what's sad about it is that um, it didn't sell. It sat in the guitar shop the whole time. When right? I um, so this is a guitar that I I traded towards the um, Slash model. Now, what's funny is that this didn't move, so I just went and got the got it back, mm-hmm. and I verified because I have, I keep good records, and I verified the serial number, so all I told them, they go, they go, what do you want to see? I said, I want to see the serial number, and uh, so I saw the serial number. I said, yep, that's my old one. Mm-hmm.
1: Nineteen oh five seven one one.
0: I said uh,
1: it's, uh So wait, you went and sold Les Paul to get a Strat? What the hell is wrong with you? To get my Strat back. Yeah, what the hell is wrong with you? I mean,
0: I So we'll we'll talk more about what the decision Yeah, was,
1: yeah, we definitely do cuz this is this is what interesting. Was made.
0: But let's just say that I was missing my Strat.
1: Yeah. Are you so you're keeping the Silver Sky though, right? Jesse? That's what we're going to talk about. Okay.
0: We're
1: gonna talk about um, the S.E.s. Okay, uh, we'll I'm to. I'm happy to have a candid conversation about S.E.s. So, yeah. that's that's fine. Uh, so yep. anyway, um, news items. We've had several uh, major deaths in the music business this week, but yeah. specifically, the one that that is probably uh, closest to guitar players' hearts is um, uh, Jeff Beck, of course, who's passed away. if you didn't know, at this point, you're living under a rock um wow i mean what the hell like i never expected yeah. it i never expected it. i knew the guy was like 75 years old he's, he's 74 yeah. or something he um, was 78 was 78. he 78 he yeah so he's, he's you know he's getting up there but um i i had some friends who told me they'd
0: seen him live the week before and mm-hmm. he looked great yeah he looked energetic the thing is and this is this is the sad fact you know, when you get hit, he uh, got hit with uh, bacterial meningitis, which is yep. worse than viral meningitis. Those right. who know anything about meningitis. And unfortunately, now I'm not an expert on meningitis. All I do know is typically it hits
1: people y- much younger, like even much younger than both of us. So, yeah, well, um, the, vir- the viral one does. Bacterial is kind of across the board. Yeah, they don't know, and they really don't know what could have caused it. And well, so that's the. Yeah. I mean and, and I But he had didn't people have a my, bad lifestyle. I've had people in my in my family who've actually ended up with bacterial meningitis and fought it off and survived. Um but bacterial meningitis is no joke. It is okay. a uh it's a serious infection. And and on top of that, it's I think in older people it's probably more susceptible to it because of the the fact that like as you get older, it's harder for your body to fight off bacteria. Um And I know it's also true of viruses too, but like viruses tend to be less severe for whatever reason. So anyway, that all said, I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to me, listen to a doctor. But um, I just like, I was taken aback. So when I got the news, actually it was like four o'clock on, you know, whatever day the, the word went out and I Googled it and I saw hoax stuff and I was like, oh, this is bullshit. This isn't real. And then a few minutes later, I Googled again And it showed up in Variety, and I went, oh, no. And um, so Jeff Beck, for me, is probably in my big five, okay, Uh, if not in my big three. And I I broke down the same way I did when I heard about Eddie Van Halen's passing, which was even more, like, dramatic because he was even younger Um, and more out of, like, the ordinary because he had, like, sort of put his career back together and stuff and like was out touring and everybody knew he had a history with cancer, but like we didn't know that that was ongoing. Right. And so when Jeff, when Jeff, uh, when, when Jeff passed this week, I just, um, I told myself I wasn't going to listen to any Jeff Beck music over the next couple of weeks. Cause it just was going to be too much. Like I, to put in perspective, I've worn out five copies, I think three copies, four copies. I think five of blow by blow. Uh, yeah on, yeah, on, C- on cd because i because mm. i used to like i used to listen to it all the time it was back when you know cds were still a thing um and i'd buy one and i'd i'd leave it in the cd player overnight and just turn the volume down instead of turning the thing off and like um because yep. you know i'd want it just slow enough like yeah, it was just but, the
0: kind of thing that was on all the
1: time yeah uh-huh um and there's not a whole lot of records in my history that like have meant that much to me uh and of course i'm also a fan of wired and the rest of his catalog too um in fact i think the first cd i got was the um the one with brush with the blues on it uh that one was really good and i just remember being like this guy's from another planet because of his playing and then and of course later on i got truth and i was like this is the same guy You know, uh, and before that, like then, of course, somebody told me, he's like, well, yeah, you like the Yardbirds like, you know, he's in the Yardbirds, too. Right. And I was like, wait, wait, which songs? And then they told me and I was like, no, he was on over under sideways down or whatever. I'm like, what? And I realized, (laughs) like, yeah, that's clearly Jeff Beck. Like what somebody told me and I and I put it because I was like, I'd only been playing guitar like two years now. And once somebody told me, I like I went, what? And I went and I, you know, of course, looked at the liner notes and I was like, no. And it totally makes sense now in retrospect. But um, what a career. Like, yeah. Holy shit. He's I mean, he's got his stamp on everything that's guitar related. Everything.
0: Everything. I mean, you can uh, I don't care what band it is, whether he was a permanent member or a, or a um, did, you know, session work on something or whatever you can you can refer to um everything that you can think of in rock music other than Elvis right <laughs> and and probably with Elvis somewhere along the line he's done it and what's funny is like you were talking about traffic um uh and or I mean not traffic I'm sorry um no that's Clapton uh, yeah um he was with uh, um well, Actually, there was a that was in Clapton, video of tra- him.
1: Traffic was it? Yeah. I don't think it was Clapton. Was it? That was um... Clapton wasn't traffic. He was in traffic with uh, Stevie Winwood. That's okay. That's that's what I'm thinking because I'm like that's Stevie, that's Steve Winwood. But I know that it they did something together. That is traffic. You're right. And but I mean,
0: he's done stuff with with Stevie Winwood. He's done stuff with you know those guys. Yeah, All dude. His, like he's uh, got he a list of guest credits. It's insane,
1: dude. He was sent like to yeah. He played for Tina Turner. Like he was so, on. Yeah. And he did this solo for um. Uh for Private Dancer. Right. Like which is a uh, terrible song. Stewart I've been told for... it's a terrible song, but I and, and the solo on there is terrible too. But I it's like well it's still a hymn, you know? Yeah,
0: it, pri- um Private Dancer doesn't have a terrible solo or a terrible song. It's just not a song that fits in that typical. I don't think people like it. I, I just don't music. think
1: people modern pop people don't like that song for sure. Right. That's um, what I'm saying. It doesn't fit in that
0: neat little four chord pop music thing that you can you can put it into but.
1: which is probably why they hired him because uh <laughs> right it, yeah anyway and and of course he um uh he worked with rod stewart you know famously with the faces and, and well he was in, he he i mean rod stewart was a singer in the jeff beck band i mean that yeah, was the Jeff Beck group right he called it the jeff beck group or the jeff yeah beck and band. i think that was before the faces wasn't it i think that was like how yeah, the, yeah, Stewart pre-faces. got discovered
0: because then rod stewart brought in uh uh the guy that Ron Wood, Ronnie Wood. Right. Um, so the point is that here's here's the thing about Jeff Beck. I was not I, there's two albums by him that I listened to. One was Blow by Blow. Um and the other was uh I can't remember the name of it, but it was another one that I used to listen to a the, lot when the, I was younger.
1: The one with the blue cover, the blue and black yes. cover. That's Wired. Yes, Wired. That's, that's him and Jan Hammer, basically.
0: Yeah. So I listened mm-hmm. to those when I was younger, a lot. And so if you, if you, and of course I loved the Yardbirds, when, his time with the Yardbirds. Uh, so, so I was a fan, but not as direct as some people. Like I didn't, I didn't put him on the pedestal that our people put him on. But I'm going to say this coming from a pop music guy. Um, and I was talking about this to a friend of mine today. What Jeff Beck did was why a lot of the people that I listened to did what they did, you know, whether it was using the volume knob on your guitar, uh-huh. the way he, I mean, he influenced Sherrick Johnson who influences, you know, so, and, and so all these guys that, that we look at and we look up to, Jeff Beck was kind of, along with Jimmy Page and a very few people, was kind of the leader in all of that, you know? And so regardless of whether or not I was a huge Jeff Beck fan, which I did, I was a fan, um his passing is a is a blow to someone who continued. I don't think there was ever a time when Jeff Beck wasn't someone who went, I wonder what I could do today. I wonder what I can do different today. I wonder what I can improve on. I wonder what I can Yeah make- dude.
1: Yeah, that's the the startling thing amongst me and my friends when we're talking about him is that like, he was not a guy, he was like 78 years old when he died and he was making music that sounded like some 30 year old was making it. I mean, he literally never stopped innovating and never stopped doing something different. I mean, in his 60s, he starts dancing around electronic music. I mean, and it was like, this is bonkers because because and it really just had to do with his influences basically being like what he's being exposed to because he talked about the fact that he was listening to a lot of pirate radio um yep. and that was like sort of what started the dance iteration of jeff beck but like yep. um even going back before that like he had conquered doing the the kind of the bluesy rock thing he had conquered being psychedelic like that was the yard words right. um that like, was and great. then that was- And then like, so what do you do next? You know, and he gradually started gravitating towards jazz because it's like the next, you know, the next iteration. So, you know, he did the fusion albums Um, and then somewhere along that line, he became seen as like a virtuoso, which which he was. I mean, the guy could do literally anything. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a dude that like, you know, at 70 years old was learning to, tap you know not learning to but he'd already been doing tapping and stuff at his records you just don't see that um and then he's like does this record uh wired where he's got you know and I don't know, i'm leaving out the beck Boger apache thing like that's a whole other that that's like a whole other avenue um that was right. the hard rock monster band and of course then he goes over and he does um he does blow by blow, which actually makes him a household name again, because uh, I mm-hmm. cause I didn't realize how big that record was, because because it, it, for me, it was just a guitar record. Right. But like, apparently everybody was listening to it. And that's kind of why we, I wanted to talk about the instrumental thing later in this, because it's a big influence on me. But um, I wanted I, I, I do want to I, I know this is taking a lot of time, but I do want to kind of like sort of go through this career thing. He does he does blow by blow which is unique because it's like a, an accessible jazz fusion record. And then he yeah. turns around and he does Wired with Jan Hammer. And like, that's when you, when you, when you're playing with Jan Hammer and I forget who the the drummer on that is, he's also a monster. Um, and when you're, when you go off and you do that and you've got the respect of your peers to the point where like the guys that are, you know, everybody knows are coming out of the woodwork. I mean, Jan Hammer just done like, like Ma Vishnu. Right, and now he's doing yep. he's doing Wired with with Jeff Beck, and then they go on tour, and he goes on tour with with Stevie Ray Vaughan. At that time, they did the Fire and the Fury tour, and like, I mean, first off, there's footage of that that exists because MTV shot it. I want that on a goddamn DVD. Somebody needs to get their shit together. I I, I don't care who the fuck owns it, and they need to get their shit together. It needs to be released because, it, I mean. There's too many fans asking for it and there's too many bootlegs circulating. Like we need a, a high quality transfer of it. So if anybody's listening and you know, somebody over, I think it's Epic that owns that. If you know somebody go get them to freaking put it out. Cause it's, it, it's about goddamn time. Um, they have a whole show recorded of both of them and then coming out and doing their jam together at the end. Uh, I want, I want it like make it happen. Snap, snap to it. Um, but like those two guys saw each other as Pierce, you know, uh, or maybe even I, I maybe even uh, Stevie was like looking at him with more admiration. Cause I know Stevie had a fond place for Jeff Beck as well. And like, who doesn't, I I've never heard anybody say anything negative about Jeff Beck. The one yeah. thing I, the one thing I actually heard somebody <clears throat> say one time was that Jeff Beck is either purely insane when you hear him or it's pure genius. And it's the, the teetering on that knife edge that makes it dramatic and entertaining to watch. And, and, and he's got a point because a lot of the things that Jeff does um, at times can sound kind of just like noise to the average ear because they're not, you know, they're not immersed in jazz or something like that. And then all of a sudden, like now he's back on track and it's pure magic. Um, and that's always the feeling I've had watching live performances of Jeff. I did not get to see him. He was on my bucket list. Um, like I say, he's one of the big five. He's one of the reasons I play Stratocasters. It's not because, uh, so let's, let's just set the record straight. Uh, a lot of the players I like play strats, which came first, the strat or the player. I don't know, but um, he's not known for playing any specific instrument over his career, which I know people are like, oh, well, Jeff Beck's a strat guy, but blow by blow was done on a telecaster with humbucking pickups in it made by Seymour Duncan and Anna Les Paul. Like most of that record was done that way. And the, Prior to that, he was a, he was a lot of Les Paul's um, Telecasters. Uh, parts of Wired were done with a Jackson and he had like he had a large collection of guitars and he just used what he needed for a particular thing. So um, in his later years, obviously he gravitated towards the Strat because he got into the whammy bar thing. And uh, I know a lot of people are like, that's his signature thing. But I mean, there's so much more there than the whammy bar. Yeah, there's So much more. more um, a lot more than that. And I don't, I don't disagree that that's, like, his trademark style because because he really spent the last 30 years perfecting it, 40 years perfecting it. But, like, it's just ignore the genius that is Jeff Beck. And I think that, I, so I want to suggest, like, as my takeaways from his career and him as a player and how he's influenced me over the years, because a lot of people are like, you don't play anything like Jeff Beck. Um, no, I don't. Uh, but it's because I took the spirit from him. Like the idea that I don't have to do what everybody thinks you should do. Um, And I know that there are people listening to the podcast that are probably screaming their heads off going, Jeff wasn't like, listen, he had an adventurous spirit. You can't do what he did in the Yardbirds with that kind of psychedelic thing without having a sort of adventurous spirit. And if you listen to his music over the years, he was always challenging convention, but doing it in, in interesting ways, sometimes being conventional and sometimes being unconventional. And the whammy bar thing, that's like a big part of that unconventionality. Nobody right. plays with a with a whammy bar like that. Not before Jeff Beck. I mean, it, right, it, right. It, it took off afterwards. Now there are other people that do it, but um, I'm just pointing out that like this is this is where I where I come from and why I I appreciate him so much was because that uh, a pioneering spirit that that he brought to guitar. Um, when I write music and when I work through problems in music, like when I'm working through somebody, so, let's say somebody gives me a verse course, chorus don't match up. When I work through problems, that's the way I approach it. And the last thing I want to preface with this is he did all of this without being labeled progressive rock. So think about that for a minute, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Cause I mean, like when you think about it, most people who are on the cutting edge of like guitar music, right, somehow get labeled progressive rock at some point, uh, or they get like a progressive tag attached to them in some way. And Jeff managed to avoid that, and I don't know how. I, I've never heard to, to him described as a progressive guitar player or a progressive rock player or anything like that. But people like Gilmore, he they throw progressive around with him all the time. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think Pink Floyd is actually progressive rock, which I know a lot of people are like, that's blasphemy. But I mean, there's really not. I mean, yeah, there's there's unconventional stuff going on in that music, but it's still rock music. I wouldn't call it Prague. Yeah, it's still rock music. Like, it's not ascended. <laughs> you know, when I think Prague, I think like we have we have achieved victory and now we are doing something different. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, uh, a lot of yes, uh, some of um, yeah. Yes is progressive rock for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think Quadrophenia yeah. is progressive. I don't. I, I think it's a very conventional record. I thought that, that personally. I
0: thought that, that uh, he was looking to be progressive there.
1: Oh no, um, I th- uh, you, who you talk? Uh, what you're talking about? Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia is uh, is not Jeff Beck. Ooh, that's the who. Yeah, that's what. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's no, not progressive. No, no way. I thought um, It's just a, it's uh, just a concept album. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I think that, that, um, uh, gosh dang it. His name is, is slipping my tongue. Uh, Townsend? The, not Townsend was really trying to do something new there. I forgot about one other album I used to listen to and I was sitting here looking cause you asked who the drummers drummer was, it was actually three different drummers on, uh, on uh, wired wired. Uh, the big one was probably Narada Walden, Narada, Michael Walden was probably the one you were thinking of. He did a lot of the, a lot of the writing on the album. Um, the, uh, the other two were Richard Bailey and Ed Green. Um, Yeah.
1: I know both those names actually. Yeah. Um,
0: and so, uh, but I forgot about Beckola. And that was a, that was another one that I listened to. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, yeah. And of course, JBG, the Jeff Beck Group. I listened to that one as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so self-titled. Um, so, I, you know, I kind of, I was li- sitting here looking, I went, oh yeah. The, of those five first albums, I listened to three of them a lot.
1: And yeah. So, so, four of so for our <laughs> listeners, I just encourage, if you're not familiar with Jeff Beck's body of work and you're a guitar player, like, what are you doing? Um, go, go get a copy of blow by blow, go get a copy of wired, go get a copy and get, get what you can get your hands on. But those two specifically are, are good places to start. And I was lucky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was, I was lucky because in the Navy you could throw a, of course my day, it was not DVDs or, I mean, Mm -hmm. CDs, even when I was in the Navy and you could have a CD player, if the ship hit a wave, you were going to skip it. So, um, we had tape decks, but. Still, you would get a tape deck and somebody would have, you know, whatever tape they were going to, and you'd listen to it for four hours. So that, that tape would go forward, back, forward, back, however long it took, four hours, you mm-hmm. were listening to it. And so um, it was uh, eye-opening musically, not just Jeff Beck, but a lot of different people. But that And that's how I slept. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd put a set of headphones on and you go to sleep and it was just... It was something in your Walkman that was stuck in your, you know, underneath your pillow or in your bag beside you. And you listen to it all night long so that you could drown out the people playing TV, watching TV and bullshitting and, you know, getting changed and going in and out and doing whatever. So you could get what little sleep you could get. You had that stuff on. And then, and so um, it just kind of uh, seals itself into your brain. Cause somebody will say, don't you know this song by so-and-so? And I go, no, then they'll play it. And I'll go oh yeah yeah I know that and I see you got that book you got the Josh
1: Smith book yeah I've had it because yeah, did saw, you get I how many it. how many licks did you get through Jim how many how many licks how, how many, many of the licks <laughs> yeah uh, yeah uh, it's pretty good it's it's, it's uh this a bit challenge there um yeah. <laughs> I, I, my biggest challenge is getting enough time to actually sit down and figure something out because like I did the first one on the first day I had the book but it's right. like how the hell do you get enough time to go through a book like that? Cause yeah. Cause every lick in there is like, Holy shit. Like yeah. this is a whole nother universe. Yeah. <laughs> the challenge that I give myself, cause I,
0: I don't just look at the lick. Oh, look like people will go B eight. And you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not playing freaking uh, uh, bingo here. I'm trying to learn what this thing is doing. So I'll do it. And then I'll say, okay. Let me move it, the strings this way, or I'll move it in key. And so I'll take that thing and I'll move it around in keys and see. Okay, oh, I just ran out of space here. How do I move this around so I can get it to work in different things? So uh, a riff for me is not just. Well, a riff. that
1: book, that book for you me don't want to it is. specifically is more of mm-hmm. a, a phrasing workout.
0: Yeah, yeah, um,
1: More so than than the actual licks itself. It's teaching right. you like. Uh, fundamental ways that you can take basic pentatonic stuff and basic blues yeah. scale stuff and turning it into like uh, a masterpiece of phrasing because that's what he is. Like, he's a genius at yeah. it. Um, I,
0: I started going to a friend's house on the weekends. Matter of fact, yesterday I was there. And um today we were out doing a jam and um uh, out. But I go to his house and we spent two hours. We put on jam tracks. And it's your turn, my turn. Yep. Your turn. My turn. Your turn. My turn. And we'll we'll challenge each other. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you have to stay within this box. Or you have to hit the root note three times during you know the the thing. Or you have to, every phrase has to start with the with the third, or whatever. We we do that. And he goes, Okay, now it's your turn, and I'll say, okay, I'm gonna do it this way. Now it's your turn. It's kind of like you know, tossing tennis balls back and forth. And it's a lot of fun. And it's something that I haven't done in a long time. And you'd be surprised where you go in just an hour. I mean, literally, by having someone else challenge it. I, you. Yeah, I've done that. And, <laughs> and not being afraid, afraid to just totally fuck it up. I mean, you're...
1: No, <laughs> oh, that's, that's the definition of how I play. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It's uh, I, I like the Eddie Van Halen quote where he said it was like falling downhill and landing on your feet. Yeah, it's basically that's basically yeah. me in a nutshell. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah. let's go ahead. Let's let's skip over the first topic. Uh, we're going to talk about Jericho guitars. Jim, this is your topic. Let's let I'll let you lead this one because I think you know more about it than I do already. But like there's some pointed commentary I want to bring up.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I'm not taking any sides. I I made a little short that I'm going to put up on my page later, but I, I'm not going to take any sides on this. It's just I don't I don't care if Gibson did what it did or didn't do what it did. I don't care if Jericho, but here's the thing that I can say. Jericho Guitar has made the claim that um, Gibson guitars, which is possible, uh, highly unlikely that they did that, that did the very things that that Jericho is saying, but possible. Jericho is saying that without any warning and without any provocation, um, Gibson shut down their website, all their websites, by the way, shut them down and uh, made it so that their baritone guitars, baritone dash guitars dot um, com, both of them are com. Um, and a couple other websites, plus his personal, I say his personal email, but I know for a fact his personal calendar because he goes, I didn't know when I was supposed to be at my daughter's um, uh, soccer game or something. And I thought to myself, I thought, dude, there is something else going on here and you have been warned. Or there's something else going on here, like you didn't pay your pay your ISP I, or something. Because I, I'm telling you right now. That, that's not the what way it works it an out and well we're gonna go and do this um if they did if they did um I I I don't know Jericho guitars from anybody but I do remember because I went to the site r- right before we got started and I read the you know do uh, frequently asked questions about their stuff and they have this uh you know their their uh, sustainability initiative and click on it guess what it doesn't exist. And you go to, so they say, they have this thing, they go, the, the initiative set forth by Jericho Guitars is a group project, uh, or a group of projects designed to set forth the actionable research and development of real-world applications that inspire uh, industrial, economic, and social responsibility. You click it, and you go to a site not found. You go to the carbon sequestration, carbon sequestration project, click that, site not found. Go to um, their uh, the Jericho Music Foundation. Talent can come from anywhere. If a child is born with a gift, somewhere, without a school music program, that could be lost forever. Click it, goes nowhere. 404. Uh, last one, the Reforestation Project. Every guitar purchased from Jericho Guitars
1: equals a tree planted. Click it, goes nowhere. All right, can we can, we, can I just yeah. ask some before we go any further? I got to I got to ask. Yeah. Right. I mean, I get it. Guitar players yeah. use a lot of wood and we're tree huggers apparently. Right. But yeah. like what the fuck, dude? How many programs are you going to support? Right.
0: Well, that's at, what I'm saying? At
1: some point it's a little over the top, okay? Right.
0: Um, and so Anyway, I, I look at all these programs. They're sp- obviously, mm. shooting for one thing. Let's get the hipsters in here. Yeah.
1: Love- Which, if you look at the guitars that they sell, I mean, they're very hipster-oriented.
0: Right. And let's 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 look a little bit... Let's go a little bit further. Let's dig a little bit deeper.
1: I mean, they're not okay. all hipster-oriented. Like, a lot of these guitars, for example, are, would, would attune to the metal crowd a little bit. Yeah. But it's definitely, like, a modern... Aesthetic. Modern, yeah, and so.
0: And here's here's um you know what kind of they they have this FAQ can get can I get a baritone and blah 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 okay all this stuff, all good. Do you guys have retailers? No, we don't. And okay, yeah, I get it. You're you're. Do you do they come with hard cases? You have to purchase them separately.
1: Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. I'm all right. At...
0: But yeah. Okay. There's there's a lot of places that don't do this at this price point. I'm worried about that. But then it's can I pick my guitar up at your facility? Unfortunately, our facility is closed to the public. Yeah. Oftentimes we make um a drop package at a local courier service that requires a photo ID to release it. And um, I I remember reading this exact same FAQ I, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but somebody had mentioned Jericho Guitars because they're very connected or were connected with the
1: uh, uh, worship community. Uh, they so they're a metal company, like by and large. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at their artist list. But I have oh, yeah. I have heard that Jericho, no. like maybe there's another Jericho Guitars. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Um, okay, so. Jericho
0: guitars here's the other thing so it says uh you said there's an artist roster right yeah does jericho to guitars do endorsements we are not currently l- looking for new artists at this time
1: yeah so, so in other words they're not looking for them but they have plenty right. um yeah. but i'm looking through and it's like like they got the guy from dillinger escape plan for example um So, yeah, I mean, this is this is where I remember them from modern metal, modern metal stuff. Well, I know because there is a Jericho guitars or maybe it's Jericho amplifiers or something that's associated with the praise and worship scene. Um, Mm -hmm. Or at least there was at one point. Um, But it's funny because. I look at the artist roster and there's a lot of people playing models that aren't for sale on their site. Yep. Um, The guitars now are very, very simple compared to what they were building in the past, it looks like. And I don't know if that's just a modern aesthetic or if it's just because that's what they have in stock. Um, So, you know, when I saw the Avertune Bridges, I figured, oh, this has got to be metal like this has got to be. So these are metal focused instruments. Uh, The sustainability initiative actually is big in metal, like that whole thing, because there's a lot of uh, fairly liberal people in in metal. (laughs) Not that that necessarily decides where you sit on that spectrum. Um, I actually like the sustainability initiatives. I just think this is too much. uh, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not critiquing Jericho. I'm critiquing this letter. Can I read the letter? Because I have it. Go ahead. So – this is the the, uh, the guy that owns Jericho. He says, My business has been, for this past week, completely unable to accept orders, and after having switched hosting accounts, all our sales history is totally inaccessible to me. Days later, I found out it was Gibson Guitars. This is a company I once looked up to who's actually responsible for deleting the schedule to my kids' gymnastics games over a shit. Oh, and that ne- and then had the nerve to one week later demand I give them receipts for my sales. As if they can just harass and intimidate other brands into taking what they want. Um, I own baritoneguitars.com, baritone guitars.com, and the brand Jericho guitars. I will not be scared into handing over my property. Okay. Can I point something out? Sure. I, you and I both work in this field. We're, we're both yep. IT people. We yep. both deal with domain registrations from time to time. I yep. deal with domain registrations frequently. Uh, All the time. Yeah. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put this out there. They're not going to go to your ISP and have your shit taken down. That's not how that works. They're going to go to you directly because yep. the registrar is not going to do anything unless you're that person. There are very, very rare legal instances where a lawyer could get – could go – I don't care what lawyer they are – can go to the registrar and say, you need to take this site down. That's right. Um, And it usually has to do with things like criminal investigations and uh, threats of violence and that kind of thing. Um, But like this doesn't add up, Okay. Because even if, all right, so here's why I'm, I'm saying this. Your registrar controls your domain name. So he could go and theoretically take, they could take, let's say they had probable cause, right? Lawyer writes a letter to the registrar and they say, take JerichoGuitars.com down. The calendar is not going to disappear, okay? Nope. It's just only going to be available via the IP address instead of the domain name, which is just, that's all that is. It's tie, The registrar ties those together. Your DNS actually dishes that 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 registration out. Okay, that's correct. So this is bullshit. Uh, He is trying to demonize a company that probably is taking legal action against him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's making a mountain out of it. And realistically, you're going to have to let your lawyers do the talking because they're the only ones that understand this problem. And you probably should let your IT people do the talking, too. Because from the looks of things, you, you don't understand the internet, and yep. you probably don't manage your own website. So just ask them what's going on and get better information. Now, is do I think that, that Gibson probably sent him a cease and desist? Sure. They probably told him you can no longer sell guitars to your website, JerichoGuitars.com. And cool. so his IT people were like, we got to take this down. Whoever right. they are, they might be a consultant. We got to take this down because that's the only way you're going to get out of this from a legal perspective. Um, and then of course it looks like they're back up already. So, um, without
0: those two models, all Gibson was trying to stop. If they were trying to stop anything, they made two models that looked exactly like one looked like exactly like a Les Paul. One looked exactly. I mean, <laughs> note for note, uh, a, a, um, a, an Explorer. Right. So those two guitars, the only ones you'll notice he's back online without those two guitars.
1: Yeah, uh, and the silly part is, like, I still don't agree with Gibson going around and and doing this now. Uh, It's 50 years after those guitars were introduced, guys. But um, I do, it's more than 50 years, it's 70 years. Um, I do look at this and say, you know what? Everybody else is dealing with this too, dude. Like, what makes you special? Yeah. Is it because you're a smaller company? Is it because they're kicking over the anthill? I mean, I get it, and it sucks, but yep. it's like, I mean, Reverend had to do the same thing, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, another import dealer because that's what he is. Jericho Jericho Guitars is an import dealer. They're doing what Solar's doing, right? So they're buying stuff overseas that's, like, getting their bodies and their necks and all that stuff made, shipping them here, and then installing electronics and selling them here. And that's why their prices are like between $900 and uh, $1,200 for the vast majority of their models. Um, right. But then they do do, apparently, they do do, uh, apparently, yeah. they occasionally do um, US custom shop type stuff. And one of those will rain you about nine grand, um, which I think we should actually segue into talking about pricing for this stuff and why that's kind of insane. Um, well, can I
0: can I finish one thing before, sure. before you get there? So, looking at their site, what they offer and and such, um, they're not staying up on things. Not not to say that they have to, or that uh, a lot of companies do this, but it says November fifth to the twenty sixth, up to twenty four months. I'm like, yeah, this stuff is a a couple of months past uh, your point. Well, it's possible
1: that it's possible that might have been restored from backup. That's po- that's what I'm saying.
0: That's a, it's a it's possibility it was restored, um, so the, again, I don't know. For me, I'm looking at their at, at their guitars. Their typical um, overseas import T and S guitars. Uh, they look like too.
1: solars.
0: Yeah, they do. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> And then they have one called the Soul Master, and if that's not a Jazz Master knockoff, I don't know what is. Yeah, but it's not even. It. Could you imagine if, if like, we were a huge podcast, and somebody said, "You know what? I'm going to call myself the Practically Guitarist."
1: <laughs> I, mean, it's like, I don't know why you're trying to steal our listeners. Yeah, I'm just saying not that our listeners not are bad. Else, we just them. don't have enough. Maybe, maybe they could get
0: more, and we could do better. But I'm just saying that. That, um, you know, it, it's funny that uh, everybody's ready to jump up and, and oh, my God, the little guy and blah, blah, blah. Look, we all know that Gibson tried a lot of different mm-hmm. things sure. to improve, improve, whether we agree with what they did or not on the Les Paul style. And you know what people wanted? They didn't want
1: those. And Well, and, Gibson buyers didn't want those. That's exactly right. Gibson
0: buyers didn't want those. So I don't know. I I mean, and I'm talking about Gibson now. I don't know as Gibson should be running after people like this because these are not guitars people that buy a Gibson want. No. They're they're not stealing
1: anything from you. That's why the ESP-1000, I mean, nobody buying an ESP Eclipse, you know, an EC-1000. Or EC-1000, right. Yeah. Well, it's an Eclipse. The EC is an Eclipse model. Um, If you're buying an ESP Eclipse – you're not looking at Les Pauls because right. you've already decided you want something more modern. No, they wanted yeah. a Jericho. They yeah. wanted the Jericho. And so
0: I, I, I think that it would be better if they just said, you know what, let's just, let's just cut, like you said, cut the shit out and work with the companies. Uh, eventually Apple said, you know what? And this is what was funny. Eventually Apple said, you know what? Yeah, you can license our code. You can put it on our computers. And everybody went, yeah, no, fuck you. <laughs> Stick with Windows because by that point, the the you know the the um what I they call it the genies out of the bottle cats out of the bag whatever you want to call it the, there's no going backwards from that and so I think that for for Gibson the best thing they could do for their brand and for the for the people who are now that you've got uh, YouTube channels that do this um just give up just cut it out I. I obviously love Gibsons, but you d- d- there's got to be a point where you got to just say, fuck it,
1: just let, let that stuff happen. It just doesn't matter. Like, they don't – this is not generating Gibson any revenue. No. Zero. It's costing yes. them money. That's and right. And there is and no nothing. light at the end of the tunnel where Gibson no. is going to make money off of this. It's no. not like 20 it's... years from now, Gibson's going to have a monopoly on these products. This,
0: this is, is not going is to happen. Be- but this is the Eagles. This is Don Henley. Yeah. Okay. Don Henley running around going, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And then his music dies. He dies. And nothing, uh, the Eagles, a great band. I loved the Eagles. I love the music that they made. But fuck's sake, Don, cut it out. People want to play your music and they want to share what they did and how they, how they did what they did. And you go, no, you can't play that song on YouTube. You can't do that. You can't play that song on that's, okay, all right. So let it die. And they've they've said a million times that jazz killed itself. You know, it's a it, it's a, um, a monopolistic idea that to think that you're going to shut down everybody that makes the Gibson Les Paul body style and that's going to stop that's going to get people to buy your guitar. No, it isn't. The the people who wanted it are going to continue to buy it, and the people who didn't are going to buy something else. That's what that's that's what's going to happen. And so. That's what they need to do. Just cut the shit. Just cut it out.
1: Jim, I got a question for you. Sure. Why didn't you <laughs> buy a guitar? There's so, a there's a uh, guitar that you had on order that uh, you passed okay. on. So I I had a PRS
0: S E D G T on pre order. Um. And I passed on it. Um. Oh, and the reason was this is this is going to kill you. This is going to make well the listeners are going to laugh. So I was the first, I was literally the first person to get a hold of Sweetwater and get a DGTSE on order. I was literally the first person who was called and they said the first one that ships out yours. The the you know from Sweetwater. Of course, they're going to ship out 200 of them, but I get to pick first, right? From the first ones they take pictures of, which is the first four or whatever. Not that big a deal, but still. It's kind of cool. So, Yeah, it's kind of cool. So obviously that morning I was ready. I was waiting. I knew that January 10th was going to be the end of the uh, um, thing because, um, you know, I'm part of Phil McKnight staying and I was, I was, I knew the date I knew that I knew that they were going to lift the embargo. So at midnight, January 10th, what happens? Everybody's PRS, S-E-D-G-T videos drop. And sure enough, in the morning, get my coffee, and there's PRS, P- Paul Reed Smith themselves, puts up a video with David Grissom playing the guitar. I have one of those cups. And I said, uh... I listened to it and I went, I don't want that. So then somebody else released one. Cause like I said, the embargo, somebody else released a video and I went, I don't, what was wrong with it? There was nothing about it that, that sparked any interest in it whatsoever. There was yeah, nothing I mean,
1: like, was it, was it, it not- muddy or was it like too clear no, or
0: it, no, it was fine. Right. And then I said, why don't you want this? I said that to myself. I said, why don't you want this? What is wrong with you? You know you love new guitars, <laughs> and I said I said to myself, "All right, let's, let's." why don't I want it? And then I realized something, and that was that was why I got. Well, by the way, the guitar's name is Boomer, short for Boomerang. Um, <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm just gonna leave it alone. I know. No, that's okay. That's that. That's
1: fine. It's it, it. I wouldn't name it Boomerang if it wasn't for the fact that it's a Boomerang. You should have called it Grace Jones because she was in Boomerang. Was she really? That movie. That. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. That was with uh, Grace Jones and um, Eddie Murphy. Uh, yep. Good movie. Funny movie. Um. No, the the. I sat down. I said, "What sound?" were you expecting that you wouldn't, that you didn't have? And I realized something with a guitar collection. I do have, I don't need one. It's like, I, there's a lot of guitars that are really cool out there. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of really nice ones. And there's a lot of really, you've got one right now. You got that PRS S2 that, that I that's, love. In the ca-
1: that's in a case. Cause I'm playing. Oh, you're talking. Yeah. The C, the, the CE is in the, case the s2 is on the wall and i'm playing the s2 more than the ce right now because tuning stuff i'll get into it later yeah and so you've
0: got the prs s2 and ce great guitar i mean great guitars don't don't misunderstand but i i have all the bases covered and i'm thinking to myself what do i need i need to do what i what i said i'm doing which is go over to my friend's house and jam for two hours. Okay. Once or twice a week. I need that interaction of playing guitar all the time. Improvisationally. I
1: need amp- huh? Improvisationally.
0: I- improvisationally. I need to, you know, it what's on this screen to my to my right is elevated jam track angry ru- angry rumbling guitar backing track in um, <laughs> f sharp minor i i have decided that what i need isn't anything physical i need the the uh, i need to stop and and pump the brakes i mean hard too because i went from year of no gear to year of everything you know what I mean?
1: Look at what I just, G- Jim, Jim. We had an yeah. episode that was literally titled Jim Needs an Intervention, I think. Yeah. And I told you, I was like, dude, you don't even see what you're doing right now. And I saw it because I was, I played party to it, man. Like I watched it happen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, and not because, it, look, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You are buying guitars over and over and expecting something to change. Nothing's going to change. Exactly what, that's exactly what I was saying.
0: The, the boomerang is is the result of
1: the reality of what I had. It, it had that, that, what do you call it, that light bulb moment. That... You were chasing guitars because you were like, Oh, well, this is supposed to be a better strat than my strat, which I could have told you that was not going to be the case. Um, you had an ultra like unless you bought the silver that the USA at Silver Sky, it's not going to be better than your ultra. Um, yep. So I, I actually I laugh because I'm not really a huge fan of the ultra line, but like yep. I think a lot of people see those as that—that is what a Strat is today, kind of guitar. It's different yeah. than when they did were doing like the, um, uh, the Deluxe series and stuff. I don't think people saw right. those as big. They looked at the standard as this is the Stratocaster of today, but hmm. I think because they obliterated all that standard stuff across the line, it positioned Ultra to be like this is the top of the line Stratocaster that you would buy today, um, right? Which the standard was never the top of the line. It was the middle of the road. That's right. Um, so I, at least in my lifetime, because I know before, you know, when CBS on the company, the standard was the top of the line and all that. But um, so I, I just think it's interesting because you got the Ultra back over the, the Silver Sky SE. Yep. Now, do you think that the Ultra is a better guitar than the Silver Sky SE? Yep. That doesn't surprise me. Um what's better about it? Just out of curiosity. Um the
0: the the fact of the matter is what is better for me. I'm
1: not trying to No, it's fine. I just I just People should just... be getting
0: rid of their SEs and buying Ultras.
1: <laughs> it's for, it's a pretty big difference yeah. in price. Yeah, yeah the, I
0: wouldn't recommend it. Double the price more. Yeah. You know, almost three times the price. Um the the fact is that um, especially you've got a used ultra or a used SE. For me, it, there was a few things, that, and they're so minor to most people. There's it's the feel of the neck, okay, definitely the feel of the neck, um, the the radius of the neck, um, and literally the way that the um, guitar feels when I put my arm over it. Mm-hmm. And lastly, and probably most importantly. When I hit those strings and that sound comes through the amp, that, that. Um, And maybe it's because I was playing the ultra before I got the SE and so I was more used to that. I don't know, but I can say that when I had this mental image of what what I should be hearing when I played that and got that, that's what I got. And it might be wrong. I might be a totally wrong person. That's why I said, don't, don't judge. I'm not trying to tell people that this is the greatest or there. there's no better Stratocaster than, than, you know, no. What I'm saying is what I picture in my head should come out of the speaker when I hit it the way or the way I do. Um, that's what comes
1: I, out of the speaker. I would go as far to say that the Ultra is probably more dynamic. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because you're describing like noticeable differences in how hard you hit the guitar and how it responds. Yep. Which, which uh, that's not uncommon for like less expensive strats to not be as dynamic. And it has something to do with pickups. That's a big part of it, but it also has to do with just wood selection and that whole thing. And I, I mean, honestly, I think it's, it's, it could just be guitar to guitar variation too. Um, I can say that the ultras I played our very typical Stratocaster. Um, yeah. The arm contour, that's a big thing that I've heard from a lot of people, actually, that the arm contour on a Strat is different than the arm contour on other guitars that are like Strats. And actually, it's interesting that you bring it up because if you take two, two Stratalikes, you know, and put the body side by side and kind of like look at where the contour starts and how, how much contour is there, they're very different. And yep. even today cnc strats still get some hand shaping um yeah. for that that arm contour uh as so well as the, the belly cut in the back so
0: yeah the guy i was talking about that i that
1: i jam with his name is brian uh, i'm gonna have him come on the show yeah we're gonna get mike brian. Mara on the show too i'm making this a, a, a adjudication now because he's been asking for weeks yeah. and uh yeah, Brian,
0: just, Brian has yeah. um said something to me. Not not w- can I come on your show? It was more like um, you know, I got something to say about that. And I was like, you know what? We should have you Yeah. Just. Um, so anyway, I, I want to say this. So I was I was talking to him, and he has another, he has two Stratocasters that he really loves. And one is a 90s, um, it was called the Strat Plus or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. That has uh um these not Lawler. Uh, what's the, what's the company that made Stratocaster pickups that were, uh, now you've got a lace. Thank you. The lace sensor pickups and you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he's got this white, I've talked to you about it. This white Olympic white Stratocaster is just a standard, um, a few years old, right before they went to the deluxe and all the other stuff. Or not. Well, they, they had the deluxe with the standard, but they had the, um, and the standard and the deluxe that was it. Anyway, so he has a um, a white one, and uh, I had to laugh because I said to him, I said, "Do you notice how different those guitars are?" And he looks at him and goes, "No, they're both just Strats." And I go, "Dude, those are very different guitars. Not just when you play them, because when he plays that white one, he can he can channel his inner Jimi Hendrix, and I don't hear it when he plays the Lace Sensor one. I well, Lace Sensors don't
1: the Lace Sensors don't sound like Strat pickups. No. <laughs> yeah, I, see, a I hear a other stat. animal.
0: That's right, but that I don't hear the the, I don't hear Hendrix. I don't hear you know backward turn Overdrive. I don't hear the the stuff that he's playing that truly is Stratocaster. And then I go, but did you notice this? And I showed him. I said, and this is one of the little things. I said, you see this right here? And he goes, yeah. I go, your other one's squared off. He goes, no, it's not. I said, yeah, it is. Look at it. And it's a lot more squared off right here. This is very smooth. This is very much like his white one. I said, now my my ultra has this where it contours in. Contour, right? And that contour, this is not like if you get a pro two or you get the you know the other ones and they go, Oh, we've got this, you know, this neo this heel thing. That is nothing like what this contour, which you can kind of see in the light right there. They divot that out. There's a le- very little wood as you're going through here. There's, there's very little wood coming up here.
1: It's like hard it's for me big. to take that seriously when I own a CE. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And the other, it, it, I'm not saying it's better.
0: Again, I'm not saying it's better.
1: Yeah, no, no. They're just, uh, there's no heel on a CE. <laughs> yeah, and very, well, yeah. my And my SGs. Um, that's yeah, but I that's set no neck. Wheel. A CE is a bolt-on. That I know, I know that's amazing. Bolt on with no heel, bolt on with practically no heel. I know all you have is... to do is make a longer neck, but Fender doesn't want to do that because the maple costs money. <laughs> that's right, that's exactly
0: right. Um, this right here, very different, and his white one is yeah, very that, much like this.
1: That comfort contour, that belly contour is definitely different.
0: And then, like I said, when I put my arm over it, this, this right here, that, that piece, uh huh. It is so. I mean, that's
1: what make a Stratocaster a Stratocaster to me. Yeah, people, think, well, people, but people think all of these guitars have the same. Like when they see and see them, they're just grabbing a body and they're like putting a neck on. Like no, the bodies are different. Believe it or not, the bodies are actually different. They all look the same, but and many of them probably are the same. But when you put it eye. into something like an ultra, well, no. But I'm like so. Like let's say let's say we go and we buy any of the the Mexican series Fender strats right they might all be the same but at some point in the line you've got like the vintage body right which is like this other thing and then so they're they're not all the same that's that's just not true even across even model to model they're different Um, you are absolutely correct so and, and i knew that um but it's you know i think a lot of people miss out on stuff like that they don't realize that uh a standard strat has a definitely has a different body than say my Jimmy Vaughn because I had a standard strat and I could tell you the damn thing was uncomfortable. Uh, I know people are probably yelling at their thing right now going, how could it be uncomfortable? Well, when you've got one that's got a little bit more attention to being rounded off and stuff and you're playing that next to the other one, you notice it becomes obvious over time? And that's part of the reason why I don't have my standard anymore. And I kept the Jimmy Vaughn and it it morphed into the guitar that it is now. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a big deal. So anyway, go on. No, I was just I I'm I'm agreeing with
0: you at that point, point. and that that was the thing that that uh, um, I I looked and I said you know you've got to I'm I'm just going to name the the styles that everybody knows. So I've got a um I've got a three three five I've got a Les Paul I've got an SG I've got um, a Tele I've got a Strat I've got a twelve string Rickenbacker. Um, my that's my son's Duesenberg, which is also up the um kind of a... Gretchen hybrid thing. But I've got a a tailor. I've got my base. I I said to myself, I said, you don't need... You have no need for anything. And there is this draw. I won't lie to anybody and say, well, there is no draw to... Of course there's a draw. There's a draw to... Oh, look at... But I don't have that color. I mean, it's like... You know, I can imagine now what a a person who... I have a friend who collects um, Porsches. And I'm like... Why do you have, like, more than one Porsche? They're all Carreras or whatever. I'm like, it's like, you have a He's like, but I don't have this blue one. I mean, it's like, um, and there is a mentality, and even in my own, and I have to break that. I had to, I had to say, you know what? You don't need the David Grissom. And it is a great sounding guitar. A great sounding guitar that looks like it plays amazing. But and the 594 the new 594 SE there's a lot of stuff in that line really cool line and we're going to talk about more about the SEs you're going to talk to uh, that oh, a um, little
1: bit about a little bit about it in this in this thing cuz I
0: just didn't want to take we go back to the Jericho the guitar thing I have a Les Paul I don't want need Jericho's Les Paul you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I don't it's like, it's like, man, I've got a really cool Mercedes in the front yard, but I'm going to go out and get a Honda. No, there's nothing wrong with either one of those cars, and they're both great. One might be able to, and, and as a Honda owner, um, a previous Honda owner, uh, Hondas are awesome, okay? <laughs> so um, there's nothing that would push me to go, oh, you know what? I got this great Mercedes, I'm going to buy this Honda. You know what I mean? It's just that little thing that that says to me, there's no point in it. I, I don't need the other one. And that was what I was talking about with the with the SE. So what happened? I did sell it. I didn't sell it for the... I did, I did sell it for something else, but um, not music related. <clears throat> so, um, but the point is, I didn't need it. I didn't need to, I don't need two strats. I need one. I need a good one. I actually don't need three Les Pauls. So you I've been good thinking one. about, I need one good one. And it would be hard for me to, to choose as we talked about with the desert island thing a couple weeks ago i don't know which one i would choose um but to be honest with you um
1: i'm not gonna let any of them go right now i'll let no, the market I, you don't. i mean nobody's telling yeah. you you have to
0: right it's right just, no. it's
1: it's about assessing your own priorities and your own yeah. you know thing yeah it's exactly. like cause like i often find myself where i need a piece of recording equipment and i'm going right shit like, I just bought another guitar. Like, I should have bought this interface or something. And it's like, I just spent X amount of thousands of dollars on this. So now I'm kind of at the point in my career where it's like, I really don't need any more guitar equipment. Yep. But I'm a guitar player. So first and foremost, like, everything else takes a back seat now. It's just, I'm just to the point where it's like, look, you know, I realize I spent a lot of money on my CE and stuff. And it's kind of like at the end of the day, I could have bought an interface and solved some other problems I had, but I'm a guitar player. I I record as part of that. Right. So I got to make sure my guitar playing stuff is correct for what I'm doing. That's right. And so that's that's why I'm like, I'm more willing to buy a pedal than I am more willing to buy studio monitors. Um, Yeah. And, as I work through some of these projects I'm working on for various people, like I realize that that's probably actually doing me a service because I'll hear something and I'll go, man, I really wish I had this pedal. And then I look on the cart and I go, yeah, I do have that pedal. And I'm like, hell yeah, <coughs> let's go. Or something that does X, Y, or Z. And I usually have the the pill for that, you know? That's right. um, so I don't know. Like I, I get where you're coming from, man. But you were yeah. just in this—you were just in this mindset where you were just buying stuff just to buy it, because I'm like, there's no way you're actually using all this crap. No. Um, and I do- got to—I got to where I was like the people that I
0: don't want to be, which is that—that that mindset of having you know a bunch of guitars sitting around that don't get played. Um, what I really need, if you look behind me, I need lighting, right? I need some decent lighting in here. I've, if I'm going to do the stuff I want to do, I need some lighting. I need some new flooring. And I need uh, I need to uh, do some sound stuff in here um, so that I can start ramping up. And I mm-hmm. can't do that. Well, that's going
1: to escalate quickly. Yeah. The title of the get... episode. <laughs> yeah. That's going to escalate
0: quickly. <laughs> exactly. We'll <laughs> talk about it next week.
1: All right, so let's uh let's talk about
0: let's well, not a truss, but you know what I mean the the thing where you can put the yeah, lights and yeah lighting yeah, like yeah. A lighting
1: rig yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna skip us over to the next topic. This is okay. my rant section, which yeah, I don't yeah. normally rant on this show, but I've just been having what? a hell. Of, you I've, don't rant on the show, no way. I've been having a hell of a time today. Um, I've been having a hell of a time today. And, uh, I actually had to state that because I just need to like put it in perspective.
0: Well, you got to say it, man. Just say it seriously.
1: I did. So I'm, I'm working on music and it's just, it's just going like shit. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, some of it's technical. Some of it's, I'm not particularly excited about the material I'm working on. Some of it's not, um, some of it's some other stuff, right? So we recorded our EP. We put it out, um, I want to address something that has come up in conversation with a bunch of our listeners over time. People have heard it right. And everybody comments vocals are not great. No shit. You think we don't know that? I mean, like that, that's my first, that's my first and foremost, right? Uh, we shopped this thing around to probably two dozen different blogs, uh, to get cover, you know, music, uh, in like hard rock and metal genre and um a couple of them picked it up but the vast majority of them were like vocals are bad uh that was the number one piece of feedback we got we knew that i knew that before we even put the thing out we knew that we were working on it in the studio quite frankly um and uh, a lot of people have like kind of given me shits like why would you put something out like that so i'm i'm gonna step aside for a minute and i'm gonna i'm gonna point something out I come from an instrumental music background, okay? For, like, um, the better part of 20 years, I was recording instrument, instrumental music on my own. Um, when I was in a band in high school, we were an instrumental band primarily. We did have singers come and go, um, but we started out as an instrumental band during the periods where we didn't have singers. We were instrumental bands, Um and that was the whole thing like, and I was totally okay with that. I was the only person in the band that was okay with that. And actually I think that should have been very telling for me. Um, the drummer who's also was incredibly gifted in my high school band um, for his age was exceptional. Uh, I remember having conversations with him and he was like, you know, we got to get vocals. We got to get a vocalist like that's." Got to have vocals on everything. And I didn't understand why. And I didn't. Under- I still don't understand why. Okay. So I'm a man out of place. First and foremost. Because that's my, my history on this topic. Um, the vast majority of the music I listened to. Between the ages of 20 and 30. Was instrumental music. So things like. We were talking about earlier. Jeff Beck. Blow by Blow. And Wired. Were huge influences on me. Um, there was some vocal music in there um but i mean there was I mean, actually there's quite a quite a bit of vocal music in there but it was always vocal music with a heavy emphasis on orchestration and arrangement and like progressive music but but um even progressive music is borderline instrumental at times you get the vocalist like he leaves the stage and the guys are going at it for 25 minutes you know um it, that's the kind of music i've always been into where the music takes center focus Okay So fat, fast forward uh, I do my EP back in 2019 um, Which is all instrumental Right And I got a lot of good feedback And open mics and stuff from it And I was preparing to do the other one And I knew I needed to put together a band So I went and started doing jams and stuff And I ran this guy Tony And then we formed a band Destiny Unraveled And we put out this EP And he did all the, the vocals And um, wrote all the lyrics and stuff And we, and we did it And um There were mistakes made in that process, and I'm willing to admit that completely. The mistakes made essentially was that rather than work out the tunes before recording them, we decided early on we were just going to record a record. And dummy me, okay, uh, I sat there and said, this is fine. And then as we started into the process, I went, this is not fine. And we were, I was kind of like having a conniption because... Uh, I wrote a lot of the, the music, right? And uh, he wrote the lyrics and the vocal parts, which is essentially echoing the melody of the song, right? Um, and he was like going to sing these and like started to do the vocals and we started to do demos and they the, the vocals would get better incrementally with every demo, right? So I knew he was working on it and I just assumed that like he wasn't putting his whole effort into because these were demos, and then when we would go to do the actual final recordings they would be better and they were probably I, w- I would say about 75% of the way there okay um but then you get into the studio and like you've already got these vocals and it's like you know what uh I wanted to just auto tune everything and tony wasn't going to do it okay and i and i respect that decision and i'm not and i'm not giving him a challenge at all like that is his baby that is his lay of the land um yep. I can't go to bat and fight with somebody over something that is uh, as personal as how they approach an instrument, which that's what that is. Um, So I didn't. Okay? But I have been kind of insulted by all of this commentary, and there's a reason for it. I'm not an idiot. I've listened to a lot of vocal music over time. And I cannot believe... People are pissed at, uh, not pissed, but like they comment on this. But these are the same people I know that listen to Dinosaur Junior. Okay, uh, and I'm picking on um, Jay Maskus specifically because the guy can't sing. Why does he get a pass? I don't get a pass. Our band doesn't get a pass, but Jay Maskus does. Why? Why would somebody mind explaining that to me? Because, because I know I'm not saying that. Tony is Jay Mascus, or that our band is on that level as Dinosaur Jr. Well, clearly not. What I'm saying is you have to hold everything to the same standard. What is special? And, and, and please write it in the comments below. Send me an email. Reach out to me on you know, social media or whatever with an explanation because I still I don't understand. Um, And I can point to a lot of of other bands that have similar vocal situations. I mean, yeah. um, a lot of times there's slick production that helps cover it up like the Rolling Stones. I mean, Big Jagger cannot sing. Let's just be, let's just be blunt about it. Um, listen to Satisfaction. He's all over the fucking place, um, but it's well-produced and because it's well-produced and the energy is in that track, it works really well. So, that's the other thing I was going to say. That was the other mistake we made is that we weren't really paying attention to that as much. Um that's a side, right? So this is where this topic comes from because I want to talk about why instrumentals are dead. I want to talk about why I'm pissed that that's happened. Because I think it's it's a cheapening of our art. Um pick any song off the radio today, you can re- you can do your research, you could do your YouTube videos to see why pop music today is terrible. Uh and it's not just pop music, it's rock music too. Someone at open jam nearby to hear I wasn't there it happened, somebody told me it did. Came in and did an Imagine Dragons song. Now, if you're going to get up there and do Radioactive, Imagine Dragons Radioactive, like I'm here yep. to tell you shut the fuck up. Like it is it is drivel. There is the only thing in that song is the, is a shitty not even well-crafted hook. Uh, there's nothing else about that song that's worth listening to. And that is ob- that is objective. That is not subjective. Like, you can actually do some analysis on the song, and you can see how little there is going on in it. Jim, you've played that song. You know. There's nothing going on in that song. It, it, I I am literally biting my tongue. I, I, I
0: don't know if you can see the pain in my face. <laughs> literally biting my tongue. I, every time someone... I, I, so I'm in a band we play radioactive. All right. I can't think of a bigger piece of shit song than that song, Radioactive. I mean, Sex on Fire is almost as bad. Matter of fact, anything from Kings of Leon that, that was a hit. Uh Sex on Fire and the other one, Sex on Fire that's not Sex on Fire. Same
1: shit, different different lyrics. Yeah, different lyrics um, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is literally uh, never, true, by the way, all of these bands literally recycled the entire songs. Different yeah. lyrics, same fucking song. And
0: so, um, and this comes from a guy who loves ACDC, by the way. I I sit down and I go, what in the fuck are these guys getting away with here? And so anyway, I, Radioactive, every time somebody says, Jim, we're gonna do Radioactive, I'm thinking, you mean Radioactive by Jimmy Page and, you know, The Firm. Exactly. Remember? And I'm
1: like, yes,
0: I going to play some diminished shit.
1: Like, this is going to be great. <laughs> you
0: know? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do it. And they go, no, we're going to do this one. And it's like. Dum, Nobody dum, wants to hear that like, fucking song. Yeah, and that's just it, though. I said to my son, I said, come on. Which one is more danceable? And I played the old one and the new one. And he goes, the new one. And I go, no, that's not right. <laughs> he goes, dad, you don't dance. And I go, I know. And I go, and that's the problem. That thing is, he goes, the, the the baseline is like thump, thump, thump. And I go, and he goes, right now, that's what people want.
1: And I go. That's because they've I, been lulled into stupidity. I, right. Now, you're in
0: the video game world, right? Yes. Okay before you get going every time i go into i don't care what boss or fight it is one of the first things that all the the people that that do uh like you you have a channel that does video games streaming yeah one of the, one of the first things they talk about is how awesome the music is yeah whether it's like little and what is it it's instrumental music it's not dad yeah no shit Take a movie. I don't care what movie it is, folks. Take a movie. Take the take the um, l- the music out. Take John Williams out of Star Wars but and the, see what it's.
1: But the difference. The, the difference today. You, you got a good point, Jim. But the difference today is back back in the seventies and even into the eighties. Soundtracks, instrumental soundtracks for movies, actually yeah. sold. People bought yeah. them. But that I, was. I people- have- The Star Wars soundtrack on LP. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. Like, I've seen so many copies of The Good, Bad, and the Ugly floating around that, like, everybody bought N.A.O. Morricone soundtracks. It was a thing.
0: Yep. Um, And and let me say this before you keep going, because I I think it's important. I think part of it is, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. I've said a few times on this channel is this. We've gone to a... We've gone from a society, and there's nothing wrong with this. This is how societies, societies change and societies move. Gone from a society where you would go to work and you'd have a, a, a radio, right? And the radio would be on, it'd be whatever station it was. And you'd hear it all day long. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a society where everybody's wearing earbuds. They've got yeah, these things.
1: They've they got their own echo chamber.
0: And that's exactly right. And so you know what it is? There, there is no... Um, we we go right to what I said about the Jeff Beck thing. I never knew would have known about Jeff's back Jeff Beck's music. If I hadn't just had to sit there for four hours
1: being exposed to something else, get exposed. There's another part of it, though. there's a basal yeah, ple- there's a basal pleasure thing, mm-hmm. which is that today, people have gotten to a point where Music is supposed to fulfill something. It's OK. So it's like the same thing as an iPod, right? The iPod mm-hmm. was a huge fucking invention when it came out because it it um, took all of this like extra physical stuff. Right. It made it smaller, more simple and easier for you to use. And so yep. music has gone the same way, which is now it's like I need something to work out to. It's so like even if you listen to metal music, metal music is incredibly dumbed down right now. And I, I know people are like, but but it's way more technical than it's ever been. No, it's brutal, right? They're using that technicality to create brutality. And it's the most brutal it's ever been to the point where it's almost like um, listening to white noise. But it has right? done so because they know most of the people that are listening to that, I, I think to an extent, it's like that's workout music for a lot of people. And <clears throat> so they could go for these like workout tempos and stuff. Like, I know, I, I can't tell you how many people I knew that, that weight, lifted weights listening to the Slipknot. Okay. Um, or or other bands of that ilk, right? At that time period. And it is still a thing today. I know a ton you watch TikTok for 20 minutes. I don't watch TikTok, but but I can tell you yeah, I I, I've been exposed to enough TikTok. though. if you watch TikTok for 20 minutes, you'll see all these metal guys. And what do they do? They're working out. Right? They're they're lifting weights with metal music. Like, I'm not saying that the whole fan base is like that. Right. I mean, there's plenty of goofy nerds like me. Um, mm-hmm. but I think for the most part, like every genre has gone through this dumbification. Um, And it also applies to the whole like computerization of music and how like everything has become this perfect streamlined product because not because we should, but because that's the easiest way to achieve things. And because of that, it has led us to this culture of like, I want everything to check these specific check boxes. Right and i think vocals is one of those check boxes now i think the idea that a song should brood us over the head with the the vocal melody and the lyrics like just completely bludgeon us to death um for for meaning is a big part of that but what i lack is the emotion of music right so i don't care how heartfelt your lyrics are and your delivery might be good on the lyrics, but I need to hear it in the music, too. That's so, exactly what I was about to say. I think had, the music has gotten lazy. Yeah, it has. Um, and I think part of that's because the instrumental is dead. No one's, no one cares about the instrumentation anymore. Seriously, look at how many chord progressions get used in pop music right now. It's ridiculous. And it's this way across the industry. It's not just pop music. It is, it is in metal. It is in... Um, Let's take a a song I can't stand here
0: at karaoke yet get sang by just about every woman that comes to a karaoke thing, and that is the song "Killing Me Softly." Yeah. So the original "Killing Me Softly" by Roberta Flack was an incredibly beautiful ballad, and then somebody decided to make it newer, and so um, I don't know who I don't remember who it was. I'm looking. But they remused, They removed. Everything but the vocal, really, musically, and the rhythm. And it says strumming my fingers with his
1: words, and I'm like, he's not strumming anything. You don't have a fucking guitar in his song. What? What are you? you you're talking? talking about the the Fuji's the Fuji's version of it. The Fuji's. It is awful, and it's not. But I mean,
0: first of all, don't. If it's your favorite song, I'm not saying that. <laughs> what I'm saying is. Musically, it's a bucket of shit because if you took the vocal out of it, there's a it's a nothing burger it's there's no melody left in the music and it's that's an old song. How long ago did the fujis do that twenty years
1: uh that was in and actually, I don't hate that song, but I th- that's but I was just gonna say that leads us through this how this happened, right right like um, I'm I I want to say that was in like the late '90s, but I don't have. Yeah, it's a twenty-something years old, right? Two thousand two. No, okay. that was a what movie. No, 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 that was a movie. Hang on. Okay. Where in the hell? You figure it would be easy, but it's not. Uh... Okay, I'm looking it up right now.
0: It is. I don't know. <laughs> You would think it would be easy, wouldn't you?
1: Oh, and I then there's a Lauren it. Hill. I guess it's Lauren Hill on it originally. Yeah, Lauren Hill was the singer. 1996?
0: Yeah. 96. So, yeah. again, I'm not... Look, Lauren Hill kills the vocal,
1: okay? Yeah, it's great. Well, that, but they just took the hook. They didn't do right. anything else with the song, like they've just put rap verses on it, which is fine. But it's yeah. like you can't. It, they they did it because at that time in rap music specifically, I and maybe this is a maybe this is a bigger aside, but rap music was very sparse. Like it wasn't. Uh, I mean, like your beats, there wasn't like a lot of instrumentation in that music at that time, right? Uh, and I think that has gone through periods of bouncing back and forth with lots of instrumentation and not so. But at that right. time it I'm wasn't not blaming
0: rap music. Nobody better, you know. I Well,
1: not... no, I I I kind of think that rap music has a huge influence on this because it's electronic in nature. I mean, it, like when you're creating beats on an on an MC6 or whatever, um okay. and they're playing back in a in a, really, a MIDI like synchronized thing, like mm-hmm. the, yeah. I mean, that's that <laughs> that's the essence of what we're talking about here is the uh edification of music into like a programmed commodity for someone to sing over, right? And that's Correct. all it was. There's someone to rap over. It was yep. it was literally just serving the purpose of providing rhythm. Um, it was
0: right. When we talk about the the um we talk about the genius of music um look at look at the look at rush. Two guys would go over here and we've written a song but it's got no lyrics and then <laughs> and then um, uh, Neil uh, it's like, oh, I've got this, you know, this lyric. R- Rush was the opposite. I don't, th- I will say that there are some Rush songs that the, that the two combine masterfully. But most of the time, it's really good music and sometimes okay lyric or the other way around. And so for me, and it's not just Rush. Um, I was going to talk about Bernie Toppin and and uh, Elton John. Another perfect example. Bernie Toppin. Here's a here's some yeah. lyrics. I don't know how the the ly- the song would go. And then Elton John going, "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." And the next thing you know, you've got yeah. a song that's just incredible. But but if you listen to um, like "Someone Saved My Life Tonight," you know. He doesn't just make this beautiful and incredible vocal delivery. He hits you with the instrumentation and the and the um the even if you just broke it down to him and the piano, just he's
1: belting you it's, with and that. it's it's well oh, okay. written. Like the What's arrangement, that? the arrangements are well written. Right. That's what I wanted to say. The arrangement. That's it's like that's my whole point, is we've lost that. I mean, yeah. when you listen to radioactive or anything that's like a sample based like pop rock tune now which is pretty right. much everything that's a pop rock tune now yep. um you you realize that it's you know it's homogenized to sh- to all hell to, right. to to the point where um instrumentals are dead and there like no record company outside of the musician record companies which we know who they are right um no record company is going to put out a record of instrumental music and the funny thing is, I was I was listening to a local band uh, named Whoosh. Uh, if you don't know who Whoosh is, you should check them out sometime. They got it, they did a bunker show, um, just recently, so you might want to check that out. But Whoosh uh, did uh, a bunker show, and at the end of the show, um, they slipped in a cover of um, which they do regularly in their live shows, a cover of the uh, Mario Kart music. There you go. Which, if you've ever heard, like, Nintendo music, especially from that generation music, it's freaking bonkers. It's actually really hard to play. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, that, you brought up the video game thing, and I keep thinking about it, which is the fact that, like, a lot of the people I know are really into video game music. And they're actual music lovers. They're the same people that seek out all these weird indie bands I don't know of you know, like I don't, yep. I don't know. They say some name, and I'm like, I don't know yeah. what the fuck that is. Like, and then I go listen to, it, I'm like, this is actually really good. Um, yep. but it's like, those are the same people because I, I don't know. I mean, it, it it's, it's a strange situation. And by the way, I'm not saying that all electronic music is bad. I think it's a valid oh. form. In fact, I love uh, what they call ambient chillwave music, which mm-hmm. is like um, bands like Neon Indian and stuff. Uh, I, I actually enjoy that music. I and mean, It has a time and a place, but it's a functional music. So like, that's where I think the problem is we've, we've broken all music into functional music. I want this right. song so I can feel happy. I want this song so I can feel, well, let's be, let's be frank, horny. I want right. this song so I can go to the gym. I want mm-hmm. this song so I can praise God. We have done that with essentially everything instead of right. I just want to hear what somebody has to say or there's this art that I'm hearing because I'm in a coffee mm-hmm. shop or, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 we we are no longer passive and exposed to things that are outside the realm of normalcy. We are exposed well, we to either the homogenized or our specific taste. Right. Where
0: is today's rush? Where is today's Pink Floyd? Where is today's, uh, you know, triumph? Um or even for that matter, freaking uh uh oh crap. Uh Iron Maid, I mean it's I, I'm sure it's there. And and here's here's the here's why I know it's coming back. So I'm sitting at karaoke this weekend, and and this is just a one-time thing, but it it this is a bigger than that. And I share these on my my Facebook page all the time. I'm at karaoke this weekend and these six young girls couldn't be barely high school, barely out of high school, right? That age come in and I'm like, Oh no, it's all going to be music. I can't, I can't bear. I can't abide. What do they sing? Boston, Iron Maiden, um, the, the, a bunch of uh, yacht rock songs. They, they And I'm
1: like, and they do it, uh, Whitney Houston. There are definitely even young people today who have discovered, like, old There's artists. music. And you know what happens? I
0: think that what's about to happen is the rub- the same rubber band that got pulled so tightly when disco happened, when the two-chord vamp of disco happened. And people were like, you know what? Fuck that crap. It just sucks. And it, pew! And, and then all of a sudden, we had this rush of of... Beautiful music. Um, that, that came out, this these things that just toppled disco. And of course, Van Halen kind of came up
1: through it. They they kind of were, were like, uh, Yeah, they were ow, one of those few artists that were right, like they were in the right in the right place at the right time. Nineteen seventy eight, man. That was
0: it it was a perfect time. It was the perfect storm um and all i can say is that i think watching young people my sons my daughter my son-in-law the people at karaoke and stuff yes are we gonna still have people who love dumbed down shit sure just I, like think it's I told inevitable. My, yeah it's just like i told my son today that we were at uh kroger and and we're checking through and i hit the you know i'd hit a thing and i'd say skip bag i'm gonna put it in the because I bring my own bags, so I said, skip bagging and put in my thing. Skip bagging and put in my thing, and it it ten items. She had to come over and unlock it, and then eight more items. She had. To, she goes, you know, if you put it over there, then it could weigh it and it wouldn't do that. And I said, I hit skip bagging. It doesn't care what the weight is. Yeah, <laughs> that is not the problem. But she's too dumb to know that that isn't the problem. It's something else oh, going on.
1: well yeah, it has a it has a meter in it. Because they're just stealing shit.
0: <laughs> that's right. And I literally said, "Yeah." And I literally said, "Okay, maybe I should just kill a bunch of dolphins and put them in your bag." <laughs> I was so mad. Um, so, my my point here is this, is that is that that we're not going to be able to get that person. My son on the way home, he was like, he could not get over how stupid she was. I said, Kyle, there is no that other a person that doesn't go home. And do a crossword puzzle or read a book or, you no, know, she goes home it. and
1: listens to fucking Imagine Dragons. Bingo. On, in goes, the car calls, ride.
0: Puts on the Fuji's version of Killing Me Softly. <laughs> and doesn't. Shit. Uh, I, I,
1: I, I maintain it's radioactive. <laughs> I maintain I, it's radioactive. radioactive.
0: Fine. I, I'm going with uh, what's the Kings of Leon song there.
1: Um, uh, who cares? Or, or uh, who's the other guy, That the guy that ripped off uh, Marvin Gaye? uh oh yeah yeah the acoustic guy i can't remember his name yeah. is um that's that's
0: the point that's that's the thing that we've
1: got we've lost in other, yeah but in it's other, there in every movie we go to it's there we just need to get like we need to get in tune with the fact that like we have to we as a society have to sort of expose ourselves to art we need have, we need a, a move in the direction
0: do you remember what the heck was the movie where? Um, What's his name has a boombox over his head and he's outside his girlfriend's uh, thing and he's playing I the music the, real loud. I while. forget what
1: the name of that is. Uh, say anything was, or whatever. Yeah,
0: um, I loved his movies. Um, um, anyway, that we need that we need that big boombox to go look listen listen to the music. But I will say this is and you as a Final Fantasy um, player um, and having knowledge about it, Final Fantasy fourteen. They sell. They sell out every single time. They sell out the music. They have a. They have a soundtrack that comes out, and every time they sell it out. You can still buy it digitally, but the physical copies sell out every time. And they're smart. They put just enough physical copies. Little physical copies for people to go. I want a physical copy. And so they they sell like that every time. And I think for sure regardless of whether people want physical or don't want physical copies, there's so much great instrumental music. I listened, I used to listen to Iron Maiden when I ran all the time. It was, it was running music for me. But I also listened to it when I was working. So, you know, like you were talking about having a, what was it, a function, a you know, functional music. I used to listen to it when I ran. I couldn't listen to Barry Manilow when I ran. That didn't make any sense. But I liked to listen to Iron Maiden when I ran. But I never would have. I would never would have um, uh, uh, experienced Iron Maiden unless I had, you know, without my cousin who said, "Jim, you got to hear this. Number the Beast." And he sat and listened. I listened to Number the Beast, and I was like, "I'm blown away." And that was when I first came out. What was it, eighty, eighty-one, yeah, Um, eighty-two, maybe. Yeah, but Um, like,
1: there's not even a community music experience anymore. There's not. Like people don't associate with people who don't listen to the same music as them. And so many people are like locked into the same small set of music that like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a much more cult audience for music now than it ever was. Um, Yeah, of course. And that's why instrumentals are dead because as a musician, like, what are you going to do? You got to pay the bills. Right. So I saw somebody I know ranting and raving about, you know, how us originals guys hate covered people. And like, it was a whole thing. And I just kind of laughed and I was like, Dude, let's just talk about it for what it is. You might enjoy playing covers, but the reality is you're playing covers because that gets you paid. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I don't understand why people may seem to make that out to be an argument. But like yeah. it, with regards to this, if you're a musician, you're not going to play instrumentals because you don't have any real reason to be an artist anymore because you're just going to go play the homogenized crap so you can pay your bills. Right? That's right. And, there and how are, is that
0: better than being a, a
1: cover band? I mean, you're there's still st- out there to pay the bills. There's still people out there that make a living in music doing artistic stuff, but I feel like this is a much smaller cult audience. Like, yep. blues is, I mean, if you're a blues guy, or a blues gal, or a blues whatever, um, for you... It's to, coming you know, back, man. For Well, yeah, but f- no. Jim, I really don't think it is. Because there's no, there's no popular mindset move towards it. It's this cult audience that is maybe picking up a few members here and there, but realistically the population is growing so fast and everybody's buying Billy Eilish. Do you remember what a stink the Billy Eilish record was three years ago or four years ago when it came out and everybody lost their goddamn minds because it was produced in her brother's produced in her brother's bedroom, um, which, you know, I use the air quotes there for our listeners because I don't really believe that's how that was actually done. Um, you know I uh, I don't think that, that this is changing anytime soon I mean I, I, yeah they're they're definitely fans this stuff's not going away art music is not going away okay but it's going to have such a small market that if you're a person making art music you better be at the top of your game because that's the only way you're ever going to get heard uh, I mean look at how good Josh Smith is and like Joe Bonamos is getting all the listens you know, in that in that whole subcategory, like, there's a lot of adjacency there. They're friends, obviously. That's a, a whole other thing, but... Um, and they've shared the stage. Josh has been... Right, right. But that's because of the association. But, like, think about the other people that are in that blues community um, who don't get their voice heard, you know? It's like... Philip Stacey's a classic example. There's a guy that can play his ass off and makes good music. And it's not always in a strictly blues paradigm, but, like... He can't. He can't seem to get beyond that Canadian circuit, you know. Um, I'm seeing
0: more and more young people, like I said, coming out and
1: really enjoying the music. Well, that, I hope. That, I hope so for for our sake. I I do because that means there's going to yeah. be a market for what for what I do into my right. late adult years. I think you and, should do what your passion calls you to do, and and
0: you may be on a cutting edge. You may you may. Create something that that it's your kids or grandkids' time that that it becomes popular. Um, but I will say that that
1: it's coming. Well, I'm not the doing it just, to get rich and famous. I mean, doing, it, I just want people to enjoy my art. You know, like these um, kids that I these
0: kids that I told you about, they were from the School of Rock, mm-hmm. and so then what I find out is they've got all kinds of friends that are we've got. Three or four schools of rock down here that are yeah, doing so we... well. And we're in a deaky, Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Chesapeake, all this over here. I don't think we got a million, yeah, maybe a million people total all through all the cities in this area. Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, that's the biggest one. Norfolk, Portsmouth, that's small.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Suffolk, uh, Newport News, Hampton, that. I'm just right. saying those are the, those are the boroughs. They call that Hampton Roads. Right. Right. And yet we've got like several schools of rock that are just teeming. We've got a live music scene that's alive and well, and it is whether it's cover or original. Um, Cause I did a thing today where it was both, there was a original band, blues hammer. There was also cover bands that were there. And, um, Blues Hammer went up there and they did blues. They did blues, okay and the, the, my covers are nothing like their covers and yet people appreciated both. I think there's a there's a bigger audience than we want to know, but the problem that we've got to get out and uh, that we've got to fix or figure out how to get past and this is record companies too. They should if they can figure out how to get this and that is get that get back to that communal way of sharing music.
1: Okay, let me let me let me ran in your parade for a second because there's something that there <laughs> I think I think that um because you're you're I'm not saying your evidence is wrong you I mean you're in a specific place there's a there's an anecdote right. there for sure um, it's and anecdotal I it maybe no it maybe it may be useful to understand uh, like a strategy I I think communal listening is a perfect example of a strategy that they could use to get out of that but how do they encourage that that's up for smarter people than myself um they got money. They can figure it out. Uh, They they just reclaimed a bunch of money because they released John Mayer. So uh, apparently, you know, they've got a ton of money kicking around now. Um, So. um, Here's the here's the anecdote that I want to share that may inform some more of this. The population has doubled since what, like 1970 in the United States. We have over three hundred thirty three million people in the country now, Um. I would say the pool of bands that people know about is roughly the same size, despite there being twice as many people, the amount of venues that are available, even in teaming markets, like where you're at is about About the same size. uh, Oh, it's probably smaller. I would say it's probably 50% of what it was back in the 1970s, because that's what you did. Like, that's how you experienced music. You went out to the bar and you had, sat in a bar and watch some again bar band the communal
0: play. experience,
1: You're right? Yeah. And it's like uh, going back to the fifties and sixties. Like if you didn't have the record, you were exposed to new music by whatever the band was playing wherever you were. So like, you know, that it, it was like, um, you know, so whoever was on tour, they would just hire local musicians. When those local musicians weren't playing for the guys who were ever on tour, what do you think they were doing? They were playing down at the local bistro at, at lunchtime, right. when everybody was in there and everybody was listening to the music in the 1940s, and 1950s, that's how they got familiar with what was going on, because it, it, because even though the radio existed, there weren't any stations like people. People seem to think that they had the same variety of radio stations we have today. That was the first diversification of all this stuff where people could tune into a specific genre. Honestly, I think that's why. Uh, rock music broke out into its own thing and pop music went its way because they were pop rock. That was like its own thing up until about 1970. And then there was pop music. that was, you know, rock oriented like pop rock. And then there was rock music, um, which were two separate things, which is weird. And then you can see this diversification happening as more and more radio stations came online. These genres started to started to like split off from one another And then you ended up with hip hop, which was like its own thing. And now you have different branches of hip hop, which is like, it's whole other like burgeoning thing. And I, I I see the diversification is probably what caused all of this because you weren't, you weren't going to listen to a radio station that played a bunch of songs you, you didn't, you didn't quote unquote like, which is so funny because 10 or 15 years down the road, what were you buying? The crap you listened to that you didn't like. You know, like, right. um, I can't tell you how many artists I hated as a kid. But now I'm like, no, it was actually a really good record. Um, yeah. And how many artists I loved as a kid. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's terrible. <laughs> like, what the hell? Is and that I thinking? don't
0: know if you were guilty of this, but there's so many young people who are guilty of. Um, I don't like it. Because if I did, my friends might think. 100 percent. I'm, I'm
1: not afraid to admit that there was definitely like some. I'm concerned about what other people think of the music I was listening to but I got over that real fast. I got over that a lot faster than most people. Um, cause I know people who are in their late thirties who are still concerned about what people will think about what they listen to. Yeah. Um, which is kind of messed up. Uh, it's like at some point you just gotta like separate from what the hell other people care about. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely. Uh, I think, I think be your own person. I think figure out what, what appeals to you and do that. Uh, it, that's not super hard. I think most people can relate to being their own person in some way. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm not blaming the, blaming on this death of like complicated harmony and complex rhythm and maybe um, letting the musicians speak rather than the, the rather than the vocalist. Uh, but we definitely saw this downturn happen, and we're living in the middle of it. And I think that's part of the reason why people, when they hear a record where the vocalist isn't great but the music's good, they just ignore the music. They completely yeah. ignored what was going on. I had, um, and we also some of these blogs are hilarious because we got we got some reviews back. I just want to share this one before we move on to the next segment. We got a review back from one of them that was saying like, "You should get so, you should hire a drummer and put and put drums on this." It had a forty-five second intro with no drums on it. They didn't make it forty-five seconds into the song yeah I mean I just like I just laughed I was like well that was a throwaway because you had to pay up yeah. like a buck or whatever to listen right so it's like that was a waste of a dollar how about that uh you couldn't even listen to you know a full two minutes of a seven or a five minute song that's the other thing I've been told lately which which we may address in another episode is like music has to be three minutes long or two minutes long oh, did the 1970s teach take us a long anything time, yeah. I'm so fucking tired of that rule. I'm I'm just like you guys are all crazy. How can anybody make a concise statement that actually means something? We're not talking about like uh, and I, I just say I people are going to probably shit all over this, but it's a lot of Motown <laughs> music that's just like doesn't really say anything, and it's mm-hmm. like three minutes long, right? First chorus, first chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, out or, or bridge, verse, out. You know, a uh, bridge, chorus, out rather. Like I get it, um, very short verses for sure, and I don't feel like those songs actually do much speaking. Um, it's just one of those things I mean, where you're 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 not worried about my girl, my girl, my girl talking about my girl, my girl, my girl. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like that. You remember what the format was, though, Jim? It's these short ass songs that didn't say anything.
0: Now it's umbrella, 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 listen, umbrella,
1: listen, at least with my girl, there's harmony on that. And there's good vocals, like people actually doing something rather than it being auto, auto tuned. There's um, a guy
0: named Ryan George who does these comedy things. And he goes, he goes the the original, uh, um, it kind of comes to what you're talking about. He goes, have you heard the original, uh, um, friends theme song? And he goes, um, blah, 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 blah. I felt it the way.
1: I can't, you're, you're clapping. And then he goes like this, he
0: goes, he, he goes on for like 30 seconds, I can't do it. And he goes like this, he goes, you think we did too much clapping?
1: <laughs> That's
0: exactly what you're talking about, though. It's like, all right, we t- <laughs> we have
1: nothing to say here. Nah, nah, na, 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 Hey, Jude. Yeah, but see, even that part of the song, and, and hey, Jude has other stuff going on in it. I know you know what I mean? Like that's the part of the issue here is like, they did that mm-hmm. so they could make room for the instruments to do something. That's exactly what and I was going to say. If that song were made today, it would have ended at the last I verse tried. and there would have yeah. been no outro. Okay. Two minutes
0: and six, six seconds long is what it would have been instead of yeah. like five minutes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Because we are so, I honestly, we got, I, we were told by a venue uh, that we should cut out our, intros to some of our songs mm-hmm. and yeah. that we should shorten them for that venue. And I'm like, yeah. no, I was very, I was very blunt. And I said, we won't be playing here if we're doing that. Um, right. Because I'm like, dude, this is you're asking. It's like, like asking Picasso, don't put the fucking eye over here because that's where it belongs. Yep. Like what is wrong with you people? Dude, Cause they don't get it. They, they don't get it. They don't get that music is art. They don't they don't understand that Uh, even pop music is art. It used to be. It's usually less art than, you know, for example, like Tchaikovsky, but it is still art. Right. Um, And so uh, I would say like the equivalent of pop art versus, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Um, But it's like you're not going to tell Tchaikovsky to, you know, to cut out hit the first movement of, of a symphony or something, you know, yep. I, and now I'm dating myself. Cause, cause I don't remember much about Tchaikovsky's music, but like he wrote what nut, nut quack, nutcracker suite, like just cut these parts out of the suite. Right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's tell no Beethoven. You wouldn't tell him that.
0: Beethoven in the night symphony. No, nobody has to be knocking at the door. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean like now could you could you uh could you keep the dynamic levels like kind of the same for us, Beethoven? Like yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Which if you told that to Beethoven, he'd probably he'd probably rip off your head and shit down your throat, because that's who Beethoven you, was. He was a very angry individual. <laughs> can you
0: turn it down? Can you turn it down a little?
1: Yeah. I think I, I, mean, I think in German he might reply to you, go fuck yourself in. Yeah.
0: However <laughs> 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 you say that in
1: German, go fuck yourself. That's right. Go fuck yourself in. That's how you say yeah. that in German. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anyway, we got to go out to the gig report. We've been going way too long tonight. So Jim, gig report. Uh, do yes. you have a gig report? I haven't played anywhere. So, so
0: today I was at, a. um, I got invited to this thing. Um, so what happened was it's very unfortunate. Um, a guy who came to like every open mic just about there was just a fan, wasn't a musician, just a fan of music Mm -hmm. and, uh, would hang out with all of his favorite musicians and all his friends and stuff. And I was lucky enough to be in that circle. Um, and he passed away, uh, before the holiday. So we had a celebration of his life. Um, And uh, let's just say some tears were shed and some stories were told. Um, And I got to go up there and do some songs. Um, And for me, uh, it was a, we we all got to stand there and we started talking about our favorite people. Again, it comes to what we were just talking about. Our favorite people who communally love to come out and see music. Because a lot of open mics are just filled up with musicians who are just like,
1: uh-huh.
0: My turn yet? Yeah. I, I, I can do layered. that better than you. You want me to come up there and do that for you? Because you're not doing it very well. I'll, I got I got that. I, I've I often that.
1: fantasized about actually taking my guitar off and handing it to them and being like, here you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah Have a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so um, it was really nice to see uh, or to talk about the people we love uh, who come out week after week and the venues who invite us in Regardless of the fact that some of the people in the circle aren't that good, and some of them are blatantly incredible, you know, and you kind of do this, um, but most of all, uh, it was a celebration of friendship and that kinship we all had with music. So it was it was really nice, and it was really enlightening, and eye opening, and fun, and. I would do it again in a heartbeat even though part of it was extremely sad because we lost a good friend.
1: I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah, fortunately, we haven't lost anybody in our community, at least not since I've been a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely understand tragedy in those kinds of situations though because I've dealt with it in other aspects of my life so um yeah I mean what can I say I mean it's like yeah. it's like a hole you know is is yeah. in in your group of people and like it is interesting you brought up that the you know the quality of people is like diverse across the board I, I always listen I don't fault people for being bad. I fault for people for being bad who pretend they're good. Right. And uh I am I definitely don't fall into that category anymore. I sort of go around and tell people like, "You think that was good? Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, you know, I could have a
0: lot." Better than no, it. I
1: I no, it's not that. It's just like maybe you should raise your standards. <laughs> oh some of the yeah some
0: of the stuff that's like yeah you might want to because I, 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 I see like something. let's just
1: be real clear here raise your standards i suck <laughs> it just you know
0: but i appreciate the clapping i do
1: yeah yeah um so uh we've gone long tonight i think it's uh, yep. time for us to wrap this episode up i have a david i have a jim and tonight we've been practical guitarists that we have